What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program one of the best female lifters in the world, regardless of weight class, but she is still multiple-time national champion in the 63kg weight class, Samantha Calhoun. I've been wanting to have her on the show for a long time. I know you guys wanted to hear from her, and I'm a big fan of her, and I'm more of a fan of her after this interview because she gave a great conversation on how she stays motivated, um, her goals for Raw Nationals, and looking ahead to the big international competition with the 63kg weight class. Uh, I think the most competitive weight class internationally, so she gives her thoughts on that, how she's staying realistic in her approach going forward. Uh, Her mindset and approach to lifting is fantastic. Uh, We do talk about coming back from a disappointing performance, um, and there's this one disappointing performance, uh, her very first meet, actually. So uses that meet as a lesson going forward in her competitive career where she Pretty much just turns out 9-for-9, 8-for-9 performances. One of the best platform performers in the world right now. So she has a great insight on that. Uh, We also talk about the USAPL and IPF. I had to get her opinions on that. Probably, I'm going to ask most USAPL lifters who come on the show. And we get into a little bit of a back and forth on that one. Uh, We, I think, have deferring viewpoints on that. But she gives terrific insight on that. She gives her lifter rating, one of the best lifter ratings we've received so far, and we play white light, red light as well. So, terrific conversation with Sam. Hopefully, he comes on the show again sometime, but before we get into that, got to talk to you guys about Left Floor Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leftfloorbros.com and follow them on Instagram because you will see the best powerlifting merchandise out on the market right now. Left Floor Bros continuously creates the designs that powerlifters love because you're going to look good in the gym, you're going to look good outside the gym, and you're going to look good in on the platform as well. A triple threat of looking good, and that is a combination you just can't beat. So make sure you are following them on Instagram. You will see the Leflar Bros family grow, people in their merchandise, and on top of all that, they get involved in meets too. I love that. I love that from a company that gets involved in meets, give back to the sport. And also, if you want some of that merchandise, use that promo code 2WL15, the best powerlifting discount code out there at checkout and save yourself some money. 2WL15. And also, they got 2 white lights merchandise on leftlobros.com. It's the best powerlifting website in general because not only do they have their own stuff, they're nice enough to have 2 white lights merchandise as well, exclusively sold on Bros. So make sure you're buying 2 white lights merchandise we got a lot of merchandise. We got a few t-shirt designs. We got some banners. We got some dad hats. We got a lot there. Use that same promo code too, 2WL15. It's a fantastic thing. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and buy whatever amazing Leflar Bros merchandise you want. And then you are going to also buy 2YLice merchandise. And you're going to use that promo code 2WL15. And you will save yourself some money. It is a fantastic, fantastic thing to do. Make sure you do it. Also, go to rivalnutrition.net. Name change, but it stays the same with the Informed Choice label. They got pre-workout protein powders, branching amino acids, all of it got the Informed Choice label, and that is important for all you natty lifters who listen to Two White Lights. You don't want to break a drug test for using some weird tainted supplement. 
Use that promo code Angelo20. It's actually Angelo20 now. So different name change, different discount code, all of it for the better because you will get 20% off of your order if you go to rivalnutrition.net and get yourself some Rival Nutrition supplements. Also, make sure you guys are going to lift.net and getting yourself some Stoic gear. Stoic is what I wear in the gym. It's what I wear in the platform. And only reason why I wear it, it's the best. I love it. I've tried different brands for knee sleeves, singlets, and wrist wraps. And this is my favorite. And it's affordable. It's high quality. And also, use promo code ANGELO10 and you can save yourself some money at checkout. So make sure you're checking out StoicLift.net. Get yourself some Stoic gear. Make sure you are also visiting Notorious Lift Instagram page and their website. Now, you got to sign up for that newsletter because they don't just release things willy-nilly. They come out with drops. They're coming out with a black and gold slipper drop soon, and that looks fantastic. Actually, you know what? Here's, here's what you can do. You're going to buy a Leffler Bros comp tee, you're going to buy a Stoic singlet, and you're going to put it all together and make that work with the black and gold slipper as well. Because if you get that comp tee, the black and gold Leffler Bros comp tee, a black singlet, and a black and gold neat, the slippers, you're going to look amazing. You're going to look amazing on a platform, and that's like 90% of it. Deion Sanders said, if you look good, you play good. And that's what Notorious Lift is going to help you do. No slip grip is a great thing. They got it. It is real. It helps your deadlift. It helps your sumo deadlifts especially. And it also makes you look good. So sign up for the newsletter because those black and gold slippers are going to sell out quick. I guarantee you that. So make sure you are looking out for that drop and get yourself some Notorious Lift No Slip Drip slippers. And make sure you are subscribing to Spotify following on Spotify, subscribing on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating or review. Those are important for Two White Lights, so make sure you do that. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. And as a promise, I got with me one of the best female lifters in the world, regardless of weight class, but multiple time national champion in the 63 kg division. I have with me Samantha Calhoun. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on Two White Lights. A lot of fans were requesting that you come on. I'm psyched that you are on because I've been following your lifting for quite some time now, probably since the time I got into USAPL, and you're up there with one of the best female lifters pound for pound. Um, yeah, uh, 2018, I actually won uh, Best Lifter at Nationals, so I, I hold that in high regard. Yeah, I and I think that's why I mean the consistency of your career since then has been fantastic and it's one thing to win a weight class which is extremely difficult but also to kind of propel yourself into the best pound for pound conversation is is not easy no it's not especially now with Amanda and Heather and Danny it's not easy at all 
Yeah. So then the going into meets, because, you know, you're defending national champion. Um, I think this year we had you as our favorite to win the 63 kg weight class. Um, how, how is your motivation? You know, like is, of course you want to win the weight class, but also in the back of your mind is the pound for pound, the good lift points, the Wilkes points, the dots, whatever, whatever they're deciding to use as a formula. I know that changes quite a bit. Is that in the back of your mind too, as you are prepping and competing? Not really. Only, be, only because I'm, I'm very, I'm a realist. And unless Amanda does something boring, you know, and I, I want her to go nine for nine. I want her to make, you know, have a great meet. And if she has the meet that she's capable of doing, that's a runaway. Um, so my main goal is just to stay in the conversation for the worlds, you know, uh, we talked about it leading up to the podcast that my competition doesn't just lie in the U S like mm-hmm. once I go to worlds, that's even bigger fish to fry. And I want to continue to close that gap because the ultimate goal is to be a world champion. Um, so yeah, so nationals is a stepping stone. Obviously I got to get past nationals first. So that's the, you know, immediate stop. But the ultimate goal was to close that gap for worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, I know you're you're a disciplined competitor, so you take it one step at a time. But mm-hmm. is is nationals kind of your? Well, let me ask you this: What is your goal for nationals? Do you have a goal total in mind? So I'm actually so obviously the goal is to win. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's the understatement. And and if I'm in a position, well. Let's back up. The goal is to win. And if the cars are right, if the cars lay stuff right, I'll love a 412 squat. You know, I'll love to chip with my PR on squat. Um, I'll I love a bitch PR. So ideally, five pounds across the board, you know, 15 pounds of my total. Ideally, that would be a great day for me. You know, I'm not asking for too much these days. You know, just give me five pounds on each lift and I'll be a happy camper. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's that's all I want. Yeah, I think I think I've said that before. Like going into meets, like if you can make, I know for nationals it's different because you kind of make those adjustments at the meet, um, especially if you're in a position to you know jump placing. So you know your your strategy of just improving your total can go out the window. But yeah, if you could put two and a half to five kilos on each lift, you know I to me that's successful. Me, it's always nine for nine yeah. and PR your total. Those could always be your first two goals. Yep, that's it. If I go nine for nine, it's a great day. If I PR across the board, that's a wonderful day. Because mm-hmm. for me, that would mean an American record total. Uh, you know, what more can I ask for for that day? Yeah, absolutely. So then, I think you're in a unique position, and you're actually in, I, in my opinion, the most intriguing battle in the international stage, and that's the sixty-three kg division with huge, huge lifters at the top, I think, battling from one to three. Like, the numbers you guys put up, uh, you, Leah, and Corora put up some insane, insane numbers. And it's it's unique because it's on an international scale, and it's hard to really, you know, gauge your competition that way. So, mm-hmm. how, how, and, you know, I mean, unfortunately, I don't know what the, what the, state of worlds is going to be i don't know if it's happening or not um but if say 2021 worlds does happen how do you think you stack up with those two 
Well, I haven't really followed uh, Corolla's training at all. I don't think she posted much, mm-hmm. but I don't follow her. Uh, and unfortunately, I have to fi- follow uh, Leia's training through King of the Lifts because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't follow her either. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they keep me updated on her training, and also people send me her training, like I want to see her training. Um, isn't it? Isn't but, it annoying? <laughs> it's so annoying. I'm like, yeah. It's great. I know. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. Whenever no. someone posts, a, whenever an 83 has a big deadlift, they send it to me. I'm like, I'm friends with the guy. I know what he deadlifted. I like the thing. Why are you sending this to me? Look at Adam conversation about this. Like, I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. Like, it's so depressing. <laughs> like, I want to feel good about my training. Like, I want to feel good about my squat. I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Um. So, realistically, realistically, uh, if Leia's, if she does what she's capable of doing for 2021 worlds, I'll, I'll be battling for second to third. Mm. Yeah, yeah, just being realistic. I mean, I could wish I could pray I could hold back and work hard, but if she does what she's capable of doing, if she goes at least seven for nine, um, at least get her open air squat, uh, not bomb any lift, I think I'll be battling for second to third. Unfortunately, I think that that that's a, that realistic approach. I think is something that's lost on a lot of powerlifters. Yeah, I don't. Cause I, I have a lot of arguments with people about that. You're like, believe in yourself. Don't talk down on yourself. You could do it. I'm like, I do believe in myself a hundred, you know, percent. But I'm not gonna put seventy five pounds on my squat in two months. You know, it's just not gonna happen. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I totally understand what you're saying. It happens to me sometimes where, like, uh, I mean, I, I think, I, I mean, I'm more of a long shot position than you are, like, to beat Russ. Like, it's, you know, we're talking about potentially 45 kilos my total. But, you know, you have people say, like, I don't know, man, I think you could actually, you could actually do it. And I'm like, I'm telling you right now, I'm not putting... 35 kilos on my total from this meet that I just recently did to my next one. I'm not putting 35 kilos on my total in 12 weeks. Just flat out telling you guys that now, and that's what's going to take to win Raw Nationals. Even right. if he has a bad day. Like, he can go 5 for 9 and probably total, like, 830. Like, it, like it's a good approach for me to be realistic. You know what I mean? It's right. like, it's it's better for my training if I'm realistic because I don't set my expectations too high. But also, I can make tons mm-hmm. of progress. And you know what? Who knows what happens in 2022? Right. Where I get the right. whole year of progress into it. And, yeah, I'm actually – it's refreshing to hear another lifter speak in that way. I think I think for me it's from running track. So I ran track in college. Mm-hmm. And track is a very individual sport. And you're only going to run so fast, you know. Like even your PR day, your best day, can you could be second or third. You know, you could be first. You could be fifth. You know, but it's still PR. And why wouldn't you be proud of that? Yeah. Right. Why wouldn't you be proud of your best effort, regardless of where, where it landed you in this, you know, in the rankings? Mm. You know, if I come out with a, a total PR at nationals and either Jens beat me, I couldn't be mad about that. Yeah. I was just like, wow, okay, well, here we are. And the fun begins, you know, and we just got to keep working harder. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. And actually, yeah, your past experience with that specific sport will actually make you better suited because I don't think a lot of lifters came – a lot of lifters 
didn't come from an individual sport. Uh, my, for myself, I played football and baseball, and I tell people the differences between the two. It's like in powerlifting, you know your capabilities and you know the other person's capabilities, and you know if there's a just a genuine gap or a huge gap between the two, you're not going to close that gap. It's just like you're not you you're not gonna difference. yeah you're yeah you're not gonna accidentally total eight forty five you know what I mean like <laughs> you're not gonna accidentally do that but in baseball and or football like okay this guy is much better than me he's much skilled but I can do some things that I could keep me competitive or actually win a few right. battles here and there and that's just not right. the case with powerlifting and like but in track it is the case like you know if you're slower than that person. You know, it's game over from there. <laughs> game over. You know, let's say and you never want to wish any form on anyone. You never want to wish that they pull a hamstring or mm-hmm. they get injured. You want to you want to think about them at their best. Yeah. You know, at their best, what can they do? Now, let them not be at their best. You should be ready to capitalize on that. You yeah. know, like don't think that I won't be in the back. Like, OK, OK, you miss. Let's go. Mm-hmm. You know, don't think I, I wouldn't have that mindset. But I'm gonna approach the meet with you going off or not. Absolutely, I and me going off or not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That is the. I, I think, I think we have lifters on. I think when they start talking about, well, you know what? If this person goes seven for nine or six for nine, then I'm gonna win. To me, that's when you already lost the meet. Is when you're thinking about the things that you really cannot control, like. Someone, you know, I think there's two clear lifters ahead of me right now. Both of them could bomb out, right? Both of them could do that. It's 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 possible. Mm-hmm. It's always possible at a high level meet that someone bombs out. But if I have to rely on someone bombing out or only hitting four of their lifts, I should not even think about winning. Mm-hmm. I should not even think about you know coming close to them because if they go nine for nine, it's game over for me. Even if I go nine for nine, so. Yeah, because it's going to crush your soul. If you're making them do, uh, them going six for nine, and then you see that they're, you know, they already surpassed that, now you're crushed. You know, now your whole game plan is out of the window, and you feel like a failure. Yeah. You know, even though you may be having the meat of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always good to focus on the things you actually can't control. That's, like, my big thing with whenever I, I have conversations with my coaches or other people, it's like, we're going to focus on the stuff we can control and that's my own lifts and we're going to let everything else play out uh just you know naturally how it is i mean granted if there's a battle with you know just maybe two and a half to five kilos we'll think about it or maybe in a position where i get a last deadlift where i'm like all right you know what i get this position if i miss it if i get this position if i hit it maybe then i'll play a little bit more of the numbers but you know, I can't uh, – going into a meet, you just can't rely on someone else missing lifts. It's just not – No. Not, I mean, my, my, not if you are a true competitive individual. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're really there to compete and be the best, you want to beat your competitor on their best day. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And – and also, but with that, with that mind, like, there's something to be said about people who are able to go eight for nine and nine for nine. You know what I mean? I think that yeah. that also gets lost a lot is if you could put yourself in a position to actually hit the lifts that you do in the gym on the platform and are a person who's consistent at going above seven for nine, 
you're going to win more meets than not, or you're going to place in the top five or top three more times than not. So that's why that to me is so important with powerlifting meets. Like I handled, uh, I handled a person recently and it was funny, like talking to people after the meet of just my attempt selections. And they're like, well, you know, might as well just have them go all in all at the end. I'm like, well, you know, maybe we should go nine for nine first and kind of pre- like hit something so we can right. use that data right. and use it in the next prep. Like, I don't, like, I, I didn't call the number for that person because I didn't think they will hit it. And the point is the hit lifts in right. competitions, not try something really heavy and miss. Miss is a miss. If you get it halfway up and fail on technical, or if you don't even get off the floor, it's a red light no matter what. Yeah, I literally have, like, athletes who are, like, disappointed that they, they left a little in the tank. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it wasn't a grinder, but you made it, and we don't even know if five pounds would have been there. Mm-hmm. Like, just because it moved well, you should be, because it moved well, you should be proud of that. You know, like, do you want to grind nine lifts? You know, do you want that? You know, some... So yeah, and yeah. I, when I when I said that you are you know when I said that you are good at going eight for nine nine for nine, I didn't realize how good you are just looking at this open power. <laughs> I was looking thing. that face before. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at. I'm like, wow, you are like one of the best I've seen in powerlifting. Yeah. So you see the very first meet. So my career started off rough. So that, that was the first meet that you see on the, the database is actually my second meet. Okay. And my second meet is when I had all the goals, all the goals. Like, I was a go-getter. Like, if you would ask me, Sam, would you win Worlds? I'd be like, yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, I was like 500 looks. Like, I won it. Uh, needless to say, I bombed out that meet. So that's why all those reds, I bombed out. Okay. Because I was overly ambitious. Actually, yeah. I got confused for a second because I saw your first meet was SPF in wrap. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't wrap, but I, I have I did do an SPF meet. Okay, that that's a, oh, that's weird. That it says equipment wraps. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. So the meet that's on there is my third meet. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I did do an SPF. Meet. Okay, that was my second my my second official white powerlifting meet. Okay. Yeah, I see. That's well. That's like that's the best example of learning from a mistake, and then like you like learning from it so well that you never repeated it. Because oh, since yeah. that, that meet, was... I mean, I think you got a few five for. I think you got one five for nine in there. But after that, it's like eight for nine, nine for nine. City. That's craziness. Yeah. So and 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 I'm your not... total improved dramatically. We're not talking about like you know you shipping it constantly. We're talking about. A four seventy four dots to a five fifty seven dots. So after I bombed out of that meet, you know, I'm on the sidelines at this point because I'm not going to just be a guest lifter at a meet. That's that's silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so after I bombed out, I, I realized like it doesn't really matter how good you are if you're not competing. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter how good I was, like how strong I was. I'm not in the meeting anymore. So technically, all these people are better today you know and i realized that like you actually have to make lifts you know to show your skill mm-hmm. you know going you know going zero to 100 is just not going to get you where you need to be yeah absolutely 
Yeah, and I think if, if there's anyone who is the epitome of that, it's been used so far because uh, the, the execution there is admirable. And I'm a person, like, I think I hold a lot more valuable or va- uh, value on executing your lips on meat day. That's been always a philosophy with me, uh, even when I didn't have a coach. Like, that was always don't miss a lift, try to go nine for nine. The goal is always to go nine for nine and making smart, wise attempts for that. Um, at times it made me a little bit too conservative, but it is a balance. It is a balance. Yes. Yeah. Like, and that was actually the good thing for getting a coach. The coach actually made me more aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. and especially cause I didn't have like, you know, complete, complete say do have a say of course, but not complete say in my attempt selection. Right. Uh, even then, like, uh, I think our first meet with Joe Stanek, uh, we, we left a lot in the tank on squat. Um, and that was probably my fault. Uh, I told him that the second was meh, and yeah. the third one was like he was like, okay, well, n- well, next time. He's like, next time we'll we'll, we'll increase the weight. But yeah, it, it took a coach to get me out of the. But he has the same philosophy: nine for nine PR your total. And you know, I, I think with people with a big total who don't need to go nine for nine, that's obviously great as long as you're winning meets and potentially making progress on your total. But I sometimes run that slippery slope because that five for nine day can easily be a three for nine day or two for nine day. Mm-hmm. And that's my worry with some of those lifters who are super aggressive, have high, aspira- have high aspirations, but don't go nine for nine. Is right. that is the uncertainty of potentially going you know, three, three through five for nine, which I, you know, it's, there's very, very few lifters who can get by with a five for nine meet. Very few, yeah, like agree, the best agree. in the world. Like you're talking about Russ, maybe, and Atwood doesn't even do it. But you're talking about maybe Atwood, not this mm-hmm. year. He won't be able to go five for nine and win this year. But yeah, you're not talking about too many guys and girls. No, no, maybe Ray, maybe Ray at Nationals. Not this year. Not this year. Oh yeah. Yeah, Jesus Oliveras. If he if he's, if he goes if if Ray goes five for nine again, Jesus has that. Easy, actually. But, yeah, I, I mean, I guess uh, a few other years. Yeah, Ray was so far ahead of super heavyweights that mm-hmm. he uh, he could have definitely he could have definitely won. Um, yeah, and there's not too many. Maybe Heather, Heather Connor is one of them, right. especially in her weight class. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amanda. Aman- oh, yeah, Amanda can actually go three for nine and win her weight class, especially with Daniela <laughs> not being there. Um, it's great, yeah, the, the, the dominant, I think the next, next person up is 100 kilos away from her in the world. That's crazy. Yeah, that's. I want to be that good. That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool to go be that good to be a hundred, hundred kilos better than the other person. Yeah. At that point, it's it's hard. Like, I wonder. I haven't talked to her about it. Like, finding motivation. Like, what motivates you? Well, for the longest in my career, it was Jen Thompson. Yeah. Right. Like she was just that. Like, like she was like so close before, but like, and then all the the accolades she had and like just how dominant she was just like I want to be her because if I be her I'm going to be queen of the world <laughs> and then you have other people that just come out of nowhere and crush your dreams uh, but for the longest it was Jen you know um, up until last year really it's been Jen and now as we have some up and comers you know internationally that's now my motivation mm-hmm. so yeah okay but and I was so disappointed. Well, one, I was disappointed when Amanda hired Joey. Because I'm like, 
Now you and Danny are on the same team. That makes no sense. Like she's your only rival. She's your only rival. You know, to me, it just takes away from the sport. It takes away from the commentary uh, and the game plan. You know what's a funny thing about that though is the rivalry grew more when she hired Joey as her uh, coach. So that's that's always been an interesting dynamic because I didn't know that until like this year. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's how I guess that's how not like in depth powerlifting is because if this was ESPN or like the NFL or NBA, we would know about that immediately. Right. Like right. there's a, comp- a competition between within this organization. Um, and we, I didn't, I didn't, I think people in powerlifting knew, but I didn't know until this year when Joey was on the show mm-hmm. and Daniela was on the show as well. So I didn't know that, but it, interesting dynamic. It's like a, it's kind of a, at times it can work both ways where it like brings out the competitive edge being on the same team with someone because you still don't want to lose that person because at the end no. of the day, it's an individual sport. True. 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 But like, I feel like. Your your coach is like your or your coach or your handler. That's your wingman. Mm-hmm. That's the person you're in your ear, and that's the person you you work the strategy with. You know, that's the person who's going to tell you like you only need to pull this. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of hard to have that. You know, a hundred percent trust when your coach is also has the same interest as your number one competitor. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like a realtor who's going to sell you a house. She's going to sell your house from his clients, but you also buy and sell it from the same realtor or whatever. You know, the, the realtor is working on both sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, who, who's getting the better deal here? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good <laughs> point. I mean, the real winner is the coach because no matter what, they're going to get a national world champion. Like, that is the clear overall winner of all this. Um, yes. Yeah, I agree. Like, it is – I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. Like, I think I've said it before – where I just want to be a hundred percent comfortable with, with you know me knowing that I'm going to compete against one other person, and it's not even a thing because I think I said it with Joey Flex, like if one of Joe Sandix 83s, like Jimmy Villanueva, ends up beating me, like of course you know I'll give him a big hug and kiss because I love the guy, he's a great dude. Mm-hmm. But if it became like one and two. Between me and Jimmy, it's like, okay, then what do we do? I mean, it's going to be a very respectful, like, mutual, mm-hmm. you know, a potential distancing. But it's like, I don't know what the, you know, who's going to beat who. But, it's a, I mean, thinking about it, though, I think, like, it's it's like, okay, let's see who could be the best person. And it'll be in a friendly way. But apparently, that's not always the case. No. I mean, it apparently didn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean... Danny is getting coached by Sean, I think. Yes. And Sean is getting coached by someone else. Yeah, Steve Denomi. Yeah. Yeah, right? So you know, <laughs> the co-host of the show is coaching Sean. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, so how about you? So if that was ever in you know a case with you, and you say if Leah Bavois was coached by your same coach, like, would you be okay with that, or would you kind of like dip? So it'll be different. Because, like, with my coach, he just does my programming. Okay. Matt Gary is my right-hand man on meet day, right? Ah. You know, so, yeah, she can have my coach all day long. Um, but my right-hand man is Matt. She can't have Matt. Mm. <clears throat> you know, can't have him. Okay. But she got to find someone else. Okay. All right. That's, that's that, uh, yeah, that's a good call. Um, with that, you still, like, even with that programming – 
Like, is there is there an ounce of paranoia in you? <laughs> like, where it's like, what's going on here? Is, like, the programming going to be completely optimal for the both of us? Not from a programming. If, if, if it was just from a programming sense, I, I think I would care less. Mm-hmm. I think I would care less. Just because the, the athlete makes the program. Mm-hmm. Yes, the, the coach is driving it, you know, driving the stimulus. But you you give you you put you get out what you put in, yeah. right? So even if we had the identical program, we may we will have different results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So would you say your main motivation is competition then in the sport? Oh yes. Okay. Sure. So would it be yeah, would I'm it be a, would it be appropriate if I told you to rate yourself on comp- competitiveness from one through ten? In like in the sake of powerlifting competition. Yeah. I would say it's so it's weird. It's weird because if I know that I have a a, a high likelihood of beating the person, mm-hmm. let's say between fifteen kilos, like it was within my willpower to come up on top, I'll say ten, ultimate ten competitiveness. If I know that that person is not in my realistic grasp, I don't care about that person. They like don't even matter to me. Mm. Like they don't want to exist. It's gonna be the nearest person that I'm able to catch. Okay. So I'll still say it too. Yeah. 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 I mean, I would it would be based on talking to you, like immediate, like I could just tell that there's a massive competitive edge there. Um, and it, it's interesting because I think in powerlifting, it like it swings so much with a lot of lifters on how competitive they are or how how competitive they let on. That's another thing. It's like how competitive they actually say they are because I think a lot of people downplay their competitiveness because they want to have that like humble persona like, oh, you know, I'm just I'm just looking to have fun. But then once you kind of see them like get challenged a little bit, then you see like, oh, well, having fun turned a little bit of a different goal once you start seeing people like come close to you. Yeah, no, that's not it's not fun. Like winning is fun. Being your best is fun, you know. That's fun. Yeah. You know, sucking is not fun. <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, <laughs> well, the funny thing when we did the Mark Madness bracket, you even saw that. It was funny to see like when people start to like. At first, it was like, "Oh, this is you know this fun little thing," but there was a little point <laughs> where there was a point where like, "Oh, okay, so this person's beating me in voting. It's obviously a fucking popularity contest." <laughs> like, like you weren't saying that three weeks ago. When you were winning by like, you know, fifty five percent of the vote, you're saying it now because you're when losing. You were the popular one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's like you're saying it now because yes. it was when you're losing. That was a real funny. That was me and Steve's like kind of like realization. It's because when we posted it, they're like, "Oh, this is this cute little thing that Two White Lights is doing," but then it kind of fulfilled our goal as like a sports talk show, where <laughs> it was this completely made up thing that was a hundred percent opinionated. But then you start to get lifters like get upset about it and be upset that they're losing and yeah, <laughs> losing in a fan vote. It's like you realize you're gonna compete and possibly, you know, completely wipe this out and make us kinda look stupid in the process, which is what we kinda wanted. But it was it was cool to see. It was cool to see the lifters who didn't care at the beginning and then care about this completely opinionated made up thing for two white lights. Yeah, because, um, like, I, I lost to Benita, and 
I had posted my story. I was like, this should be interesting, right? And she, and then she messaged me. She was like, you're going to win. I was like, no, I mean, you have, like, so many athletes, you know, like, mm-hmm. you're one of the greatest lifters. And she was like, I'll, I'll bet you a dollar. I was like, I'm not going to bet against myself. <laughs> don't, like, don't, I would never bet against myself. That's mm-hmm. stupid. I'm not going to bet you a dollar that you're going to win. Yeah. No, you know. But when you, if you do win, I, I was like, okay, you know, I see why they chose her to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah, that's yeah, that's an interesting. You know, I mean, it's it, I saw it happen before, like people messaging me, like, "Oh my god, that other person is gonna win so easily." I'm like, "Okay, like it's it's okay. It's like it's opinionated thing. It's like that's what we're doing. It it's just to like, kind of create interest." But it, I mean, it was like I, I guess I guess they're in that position because of their competitiveness, because I like Heather Connor was vocal on the comments about it being a popularity <laughs> contest. Like, oh, there it is. We can see it. I mean, I don't yes. think he, he doesn't hold back, though, how competitive he is. He is very competitive. Yeah, but, yeah. like, oh, you, you didn't say anything two weeks ago, but now you're in the comments. Like, we can tell that it's it's a but, very competitive. But you need that. You yeah, need exactly. That. Like, you can't be the best lifter without being a little arrogant, having a little swagger, having a little ego. Like, you can't get there without that swagger. Yeah. Without, like, without that competitiveness. You just can't. Like, yeah. I tell my lifters, like, if you're, if you're cocky, I can kind of bring you down and I can mold you, right? Like, I can shape you into what I want. Mm-hmm. But if you have low self-esteem, there's not too much I can do with that. Yeah. Because now I've got to build your confidence while we're building your strength, you yeah. know? But if you come, if you already come in, like, thinking you're the best, we can do something with that. Yeah. Especially oh. if you're, you know, halfway strong. Like, we can work with that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, I mean, it's such a fine line between you know, confidence and cockiness. And there's always, there's a difference between the two. Cockiness is thinking that you're the best and not really proving anything and kind of, I think, a little bit more for attention than actually being the best. Where confidence and arrogance is knowing that you're good at something, but also having the wherewithal to know that it could you could fail. Like, you can't yes. actually fail at a given point. And that's that's something that I, like, I, I, I mean, I see it a lot with lifters where like the, the differences between two extremes, like people with these super lofty goals and the the cliche sayings of, you know, you know, this, this moved well, uh, depth is a little iffy, but it'll be there on meet day. And it, it apparently didn't move very well and depth wasn't right. there on meet day. And then, you know, your whole meet is shot because of it. That's cockiness. Right. Uh, yeah. But a person just saying like, yeah, this is falling on meet day. Like, this is perfect, and I can move fast, and then you can see the lift kind of translate onto the platform. Mm-hmm. That's the confidence part. But I also have seen lifters with that super low self-esteem. It's like, you can't have that. Like, you can't go into a thing thinking you're going to fail. I I, I think I'm, I think that people misconstrue nervousness and the idea that they're going to fail. Which I'm like, if you're nervous for a meet, that's actually good. Like, I actually like nerves. That's really good. I get nervous because I'm like, I have the fear that I'm going to fail, and you need fear. You mm-hmm. need that fear that you're going to fail because that's what avoids failure, is that fear. Um, but, like, thinking or, you know, kind of writing out there you're going to fail is, ooh. Yeah, because then you get under the bar and like, oh, shit, this is heavy. <laughs> I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Then you go down timid. You know, like, then you get crushed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So how, how did you get your start in powerlifting then? Uh, basically, long story short, I just needed something to train for. Mm-hmm. And powerlifting was the easy gateway drug to that. You know, because you have a meet, you have a deadline, you have a designated amount of time to get to that deadline. And it's just, it's just the perfect, it's perfect. It's, it reminded me of track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you train, you compete, you train, you compete. Yeah. So you've, you know, I mean, you're pretty much a staple of the USAPL right now. You've done so many meets, you won multiple national titles. Um, what, what's your opinion on this USAPL IPF talk? Uh, I think the more lifters opinion that's being broadcast on two white lights, the better, because, um, I don't know. It feels like at times you could just hear, you could just see the comment section and the super, super outspoken lifters are the only one that's heard. Yeah. So first of all, I agree with nothing the IPF is doing. I think it's silly. You know, I think if they really care about the integrity, integrity of the sport, it would just be isolated to the top level lifters, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, we have to get drug tests at least three times a year. Uh, out of meat drug tests, and get on a list called Adams, and literally three times a year we come and they come to us and drug test us. So if if you if they're worried about you know the integrity of the test, at those moments we could have a USADA approved tester come test those international lifters. I don't think that needs to be implemented for a local level meet. You know, essentially, that's different sports. Yeah. Um, essentially, you know, once you go to Worlds, that's the team that matters as far as the IPF. Um, so that's that. I think the whole conversation about the USAPL leaving the IPF is just another thing that's wrong with powerlifting. Like, we already have so many federations and organizations and rules, and we already have that. Like, we don't need another division of anything uh and i think if they leave the ipf it's just going to create another another thing um and i don't think that's going to be immediate ramifications but the long-term ramifications are going to be huge because it's going to take one lifter it's going to take a russell Ori, a amanda lawrence even a joy flex to just move to a different federation for one meet and then the flock is going to slowly follow. And now you're not going to have that USAPL organization that you know, because we, we're there for most top lifters to say, oh, I'll compete USAPL for the competitiveness. Because USPA, Drug Tested Nationals, they don't have many competitors, you know, and I like USAPL because there's a lot of competitor, competitors uh, at a high level, and then you have stages. Mm-hmm. You have the Ornals, you have Worlds. But if you take that away from the IPF, you're not going to have worlds. You may still have the Ornals, um, but you're not going to have that group of elite level lifters that are trapped. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because we are trapped. That trap will no longer be there. And then everyone will be free to live wherever they want, which sounds great because it is fine. But now you're going to water down the federation that you love. Yeah. Right? And you're not going to have a home anymore. Yeah, because like, because many of the untested lifters, they don't care where they lift. They could care less. They can go wherever the money is, and they don't have a home base. Yeah, you know. And if that's how the sport wants to be ran, that'll be fine. But that needs to be uniformed across yeah. the board. 
So, so would you be more inclined if they provided like an incentive to stay for those lifters? Like, if say if they do end up leaving and they created something that wants or that's going to keep lifters in the the federation, would, would that change your uh, mind on that? Because I do agree, like brand identity is somewhat important. I I think occasionally it gets a little bit overvalued because we have seen lifters go to USPA and like WRPF and. You know, it still hasn't completely changed the landscape of things. Um, if they decide to do one USPA meet, or one WRPF meet, like a lot of lifters are planning on doing, um, I don't really think that hurts the Fed too much as long as they find the value in the competition. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt the Fed if they come back. Yeah. If every national, they come back, right? Arnold, they come back. If they're still representing the drug-free powerlifting, they come back. And all their followers view them as this is a USAPL lifter. It doesn't hurt the Fed. I think it, it may even enhance the Fed if lifters can go to these other big meets and then come back. Because mm-hmm. now you have the top the top natural powerlifters competing in some unnatural people, and they're doing great. Yeah. Right. So that's that's going to bring even more attention to the federation. So I think it'll be a positive thing in that sense. Um, but I think if if the USAPL completely just detaches, now those things are going to happen way more often. And then why wouldn't the lifter just stay mm-hmm. untested? Not even say they got to take drugs, but if you're winning a whole bunch of money, natural in an untested meet, why wouldn't I just stay there and just compete at those meets? Yeah, did you, did you happen to listen to the interview we did with Larry Malley? I did, and he didn't seem too keen on offering incentives. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he broke down the, the price, you know, he broke down the cost that the USAPL was saved by not being a part of the IPF, but he also said that a professional powerlifting sport doesn't work. Well, I think yeah. I think he did he said in more of a sense that long-term things with big money meets, but I think the goal there was to provide consistent money meets where it's not right. like the current that can like, cause the current actually has done a good job. I mean, depending on what we're talking about in like the powerlifting lifespan, like is five years a lot. Yeah. And powerlifting, <laughs> but in every other thing, no, it's not in every other organization. Five years is not a lot, but currently they're on five years strong of giving big money. But if you could find a way to give more money in a longer period of time, I think that's the goal with the USAPL. And I think a pro-am division is the possibility there. And I think that will actually provide an incentive for lifters to stay within the Fed. And especially if they stay true to that drug-tested thing. It's like, oh, cool, we have a pro division. We get paid and we get to be drug-free. We don't have to compete against, like Dennis Cornelius said, you don't compete against Larry Wheels, who's on every steroid in, you know, the, in, in the book, you know, you get, you get that at least like that, that to me, like as a competitor would be, would be a nice change. Like, okay, pro division, I have something to shoot for, I have something to aim for, can make some money, don't know how much money that is, we have to find a way to put some business people within the USAPL, but to me that incentive is enough there to stay, um... But I, but I do agree with you. If the USAPL leaves the IPF and does nothing or does very little to change what they're doing, then you're 100% right. People will leave. People will join maybe an IPF affiliate within the United States 
thus causing a bigger problem mm-hmm. in powerlifting where there's more federations. And no, I yeah, I don't want to see more and more federations in no. powerlifting. It sucks. Like that's one that's one of the worst parts about powerlifting is like the absolute differences between feds and all that stuff and that to me won't make anything better so yeah i i I would agree with you in a sense that if they don't do anything about it then that's then then that's the lose situation of this yeah but if they can find a way like you said to incentivize their lifters to stay and also find a way to bring international lifters over because everyone wants to say like i'm the best in the world i've competed against the best Mm -hmm. in the world uh, so if they could find a way to make the Arnold happen, like, regularly or like at least, you know, more, once or twice a year, like some type of experience like that, uh, I think it, it could work. It could definitely work. Um, but it would not work if, like you said, if there's another international federation or a government body that gets created within the U.S. Yeah. Then it's going to be a shit show. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that would happen. That would happen where they were created. I just, like... How well organized would that federation be? Yeah, and I, I just don't see it. Be, from the jump, absolutely not. Like it's very hard to just create something as good. That's one thing. Like all the criticism with the USAPL, that's one thing that they have for them is they're incredibly organized and well structured. Hundred percent. They have that. So if another affiliate comes in from the United States, they're going to have to compete with that, and initially they will not be able to compete quickly with that but an affiliate would happen um and i i think yeah i suggested like if there is a way to get international lifters within the usapl that'll be fantastic like the nba the mlb like they get international people all the time just because they stand mm-hmm. alone as their own professional sports organization but let me ask you this do you what would you value more a pro-am division or just the international presence the international presence because it gives me an excuse to travel. <laughs> what what, <laughs> if the pro, what if the pro the pro division was like okay we're gonna have a meet a year in a different European country? Hey, I'll be all <laughs> sign me up, sign me up. I just want to travel and I like if you're gonna spend money on powerlifting, at least like go somewhere cool, mm-hmm. right? So you know, hold on, but. How about Belarus? Is that on your bucket no, list? No, I don't want to go to Belarus. <laughs> I never wanted to go to Belarus. Never. Yeah, excuse to travel, but make sure that travel is somewhere that's desirable to go to. Yes. Yes. But, yeah. Because what will a pro division be? Would it just be like raw nationals? Like, what would that What would that look like? See, that's the thing. <laughs> no, that's the thing where I'm curious about. Like, I mean, I don't, I like, I had the president on. But I don't know what's going on within the organization to create that. I have an idea. I have my ideas, and I think a lot of – that's the thing. A lot of USAPL lifters who are within my age range have great ideas. And I think if they really – this is the podcast I did with uh, Josh Rohr where if you want to see change, you got to step up and do it yourself. Like I want to see more lifters, including myself, which I've been trying, like get in positions within the USAPL – and make those changes because I have an idea. Like we, me, Joe Stanick, Steve Denovi, and Marcellus Williams, kind of you know brainstormed a bunch of ideas on how a pro division can work. And like I, I really, if it's a pro division, I hope don't. I hope it's not the lazy. If you win best overall lifter at the Arnold or Nationals or any of those meets, 
you're a pro. Congratulations. I want to be a little bit something more structured, where it's like right. top 10, you're a pro. Or you get snipings from being in the top 10. You get some money right. being in the top 10. You you the, the sponsors coming in, that's where the funnel the money gets funneled out to. Of course, you have a grand prize of winning. But if you maintain your top 10, then you get some money. And that's the difference mm-hmm. between pro and amateur is just that ranking. Right. Like that to me would be great. But I don't, I mean, I have no, I have no idea how the USAPL is going to do it. So again, if they create a pro M division, it's like awesome. But if it's not well thought out, then, then I'm going to be disappointed. Cause I, I value a pro M division more than international presence because I think you could eventually, if you make the sport as popular as you want it to be, you eventually have no choice but to grow internationally. It's happened with every professional sports organization. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah. So let me ask you this then: If they find a middle ground with the drug testing, because that's that's a big thing to me. Like, if they don't find a middle ground, I'm a hundred percent for the USAPL leaving the IPF. You gotta be you gotta be true to your values. Yes, but do you really think? All right. So say, so say they didn't find. Well, ideally, the ideal situation is if is they do. Like that's ideally ideally. They come to a middle ground. Everyone's happy. IPF gets what they want. USAPL gets what they want. That's the ideal situation. But do you really think not testing as much as we do at the local level will make a difference? Yes. I think In one it- way, because you st- you still have to go through the channels. Like you can't set a, a mer- you can't set a world record at a local meet. Yeah. Right, you have to go to you have to go to nationals to uh, well, you have to go to worlds to do that. Yeah. Um, and if someone wants to set an American record at the local meet, that person could get tested. Could right? They they are saying no tests. They're just saying we're not going to test random Joe Smo just for the sake of meeting our percentage. Our percentage. Yeah, but, but if there was a test. Yeah, but they do they do test people intentionally. They do test people with a suspicion of being on steroids, either a big total, um, and just you know maybe an abnormal body or abnormal physique, or just really or gossip even. Like meat directors have said that before, where they specifically test people that they think are on steroids, and when there's no other signs that someone's on steroids, they take a person like me. Who if I go to a local meet, I'm probably winning best overall lifter. I'm probably like my last meet. For example, this is this is kind of like where the, the point of of this comes down to is local level lifters compete in the USAPL because they want to compete alongside drug free lifters. And a lot of them don't end up being a national champion. A lot of them don't end up being within the world. So that's a very, very small population. But yet the USAPL has, you know, 15,000 competitors. Mm-hmm. They do that because they just they, they want to stay in that federation because they want to compete alongside other drug tested athletes. Because they could easily do USPA. They could easily do APF. But they choose not to because that's what they value. Once you take that out completely, or I mean even even if you greatly reduce it to something where you're testing every so often at a local level. What's the incentive for them just completely leaving the USP to, to another federation? It's like a guy like me potentially can never get drug tested, 
right? Like right. that's and I've been I've been drug tested quite a bit because I've competed at local level meets and the Arnold. And like if you take that away, then I probably have as much drug test as a guy in the USPA. It's like right. that's that's to me that's where I think it would actually make a big difference where if you're looking to keep your customers within the federation or your lifters within a federation you got to keep up what is keeping them in the federation or why they're in the federation that's the value of drug-free powerlifting yeah so, so when i first signed up for my first meet the first thing i looked for was what's available mm-hmm. what's available what's close uh what's in reasonable distance didn't really care about drug-free, you know, or tested, non-tested. I know I was drug-free. I ran, you know, I played sports my entire life. I got drug tested my entire life. So that was my standard. But I didn't, it wasn't until I became, quote-unquote, like competitive, competitive that I started looking around me and like, okay, there is like the visions. Yeah. You know, that there is different federations. There is a multitude of things. But the initial, the, the lifter is coming into the sport they don't know any of this. They're going to go to the first meet that's available to them in their their city. Yeah. It's not until they do two or three meets and they're looking like forward. Well, now I want to go to regionals. Now I want to go to nationals. That's when those things matter. Yeah. I don't think at the local level, initially, like like across the board, I don't think it matters as much as we're, we're th- we think it matters. Because there's not many times you go to a local meet, even USPA, that you see like, oh man, that guy's way juiced up. Maybe one or two people. Maybe. But I don't think on average you like half the the population feel is juiced up. Yeah, but I mean I that but I mean within my first competition, I definitely wanted to compete alongside drug tested lifters, and I did. I did the so I could have done the APF, which is a non-tested federation of the American mm-hmm. Powerlifting Federation, or the AAPF which is the drug tested side. And I chose that because I'm like, I don't think it's fair if I compete against guys who are on steroids. And that, that was my philosophy going in. I, I, I do think actually there's a large population of people who are like, oh, there's an option here? Well, I would like to compete alongside people who aren't using performance-enhancing drugs just because that's what they value in the sport. And I think that's why they get into the USAPL from those meets. Like, I eventually got into USAPL because it was the mix of high competition, which that's what USPA still has, high competition. Um, I'll just get my ass kicked. But the USAPL has high competition, and it's with an equal playing field, where in a regional level, I know I'm competing against drug-free lifters. A national level, I'm competing against drug-free lifters, where it'll only be you're competing against drug-free lifters at a national level. That's what happens when you take away that drug testing. And I think that, that I think a lot of lifters do value that, but I, the the thing I'm speaking, I think I'm speaking for it from a personal perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meaning even if I went to untested division, I still would be quote unquote competitive. Yeah. You know what I mean? May, may not be the best, but, um, would that I'll eat? Still be competitive. Would that eat at you just a bit, though? It's like then, then the motive. Then, then here's here's a big thing. This is my personal view. The less people we can get on, like, have on steroids, in general, is good. 
That's my thing. I don't want to provide any incentive for people to jump on performance enhancing drugs. But that's the thing, though, is is you're assuming, like, say there was no, like, tested, untested, right? Just say, like, powerlifting was powerlifting, whatever goes, when. Mm -hmm. I still wouldn't do drugs. But uh, here's the thing. (laughs) Yeah, so that, yeah. But you wouldn't do it, I wouldn't do it, because we know this. But, like, we have 16-year-olds doing drugs now because they want to be like this person or that person. And I don't like, I I, I might piss off a lot of people on the untested side by saying this, but I'm like, no, I don't think if you're 18 years old, you should hop on gear. That's a really bad life choice and something that you're not mature enough to even handle at 18. Like, I don't like that idea. So if that happens, I think that's that's a negative for the sport of powerlifting and just sports in general. Like, I think there should be a promotion of not doing steroids in all sports. And I think one sport that's really, really open, like ours is, of using performance-dancing drugs, that's just a personal thing. I, I don't like that about the sport. I think it's I think it's a bad thing about the sport. So if you open it up, you will have more lifters taking steroids and to me it'll kind of take the fun out of it it's like i don't know how good i will be if i was on steroids and i just know that i would never take it but it sucks that this person who's on steroids is kicking my ass every meet like what would happen if you took away the steroids am i the best lifter in the world who knows like that would that would i mean that's a personal thing that would eat at me a little bit and it's just like okay why am i even doing this if like if Something that is just a personal or moral obligation for me is the biggest factor. Okay, so let's think about like this. So, because we're not, because even with IPF, if the USAPL does what the IPF wants it to do, because they're not saying no drugs. Yeah. So that's not even the question. I think right now we're thinking like all or nothing. So they're not saying no drug tests. So even for college athletics, right, we get randomly drug tested. Yeah. We're not getting drug tested every day. We're not getting drug tested every competition. It was random. So it's the fear of being drug tested. Okay. And I think that fear will still be there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. The thing is, I mean, I guess with the there's there's no real incentive. I think it'll actually I mean, from the USAPL's perspective, I think from a business standpoint, it will lead into a loss of lifters. It, it will lead into this, like, okay, why even do this federation? Because we might only, be able to do... Only if the, the, the competition changes. I mean, maybe. It's like, but that but that's like, but what the competition will... Here's the thing. The competition will stay if we just are able to test at a local level and do USADA. But no, I, I don't mean like that. I mean in the sense of, you know, right now, unless some elite level lifter goes to local meet, you kind of know kind of what to expect from a local level competition as far as numbers goes. Like, you know, if someone's like, oh, my God, that person is crazy strong. You know mm-hmm. that person. You know numbers, right? If that happened more often, the competition changes, right? That vibe of the local meet changes. So we know, like, now we have some people from other federations coming into our federations. Like, you would know. You would, you would know, yeah. right? And once you have that feeling, that's when lifters will leave. And what? But then, where are they going to go? They just USPA, not USPA, USPA drug tested. <laughs> USPA. I mean, USPA drug tested. They 
they are doing things that are trying to get lifters out of the USAPL already. And it has kind of been more successful than Pat in the past attempts. Like now it's like, okay, more lifters are like fighting an incentive to compete in USPA drug tested. Or, I mean, there's, there's two other drug tested federations that I know of. There could be a lot more. That's USPA, which is a successful powerlifting organization already. And the AAPF, the one I competed at. I think the AAPF won't draw as many lifters because they have, like, real equipment issues. 65-pound squat bar, deadlift bar, monolift. It's mostly four multi-ply lifters. That's the federation. It's four multi-ply lifters. And USPA would be the more attractive option than that. But that's where lifters will go. They will go to a potential USPA meet. Or they'll do less USAPL meets, or they'll devalue USAPL meets, and that's. I just think from a, a business standpoint, it's like our goal from the USAPL's perspective is to get more lifters into the sport, is to get more people in a, under a barbell, and the IPF's goal is to get to the Olympics. Right. So that is just like it's a it's a styles clash between the two, and I don't I I I will say I would like a win win scenario of. The IPF being like, okay, you guys can go and do what you want at local level meets, test who you want, and then when national competitions rolls around international, you would do USADA or WADA. We have our automate testing. If things stay as is, I'm like, okay, that's a win. But also, if the USAPL leaves the IPF, you know, in my opinion, that could potentially be a win too, if they provide that incentive. Like the risk, like the the the. The thing in me is like, okay, I know it's safe, and that's the first option. That's the safest option. The second option, possibly higher reward, but the risk is a lot higher. And right. that's that's my thing where I'm a little bit like, I would just like the win-win scenario. That's, that's for me. Yeah, I like safe. I don't like drama. I don't want to have to explain to someone like, oh, why are you not going to Worlds this year? Why is your Dellif not a world record? I don't want to have to have that conversation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, powerlifting. Yeah, powerlifting is <laughs> confusing enough as is. Because even with unofficial world records, like explaining it to a regular person doesn't process. Right. So it's like, God. <laughs> They're like, what's wait yeah. unofficial? So it didn't really happen. I'm like, it happened. Just <laughs> right, this federation is drug free, but it's not drug tested. You know. <laughs> yep. I am natty, but I can't prove I'm natty. You yeah. know, it just it's a lot. <laughs> Well, you know what is easier to understand than all of that? That's a lifter rating. If you tell people your lifter rating, they will immediately understand that you're good at sport. Not unofficial world records, not your total, not what you can lift. If you say you have a so-and-so lifter rating on two white lights, that's what will impress people. I guarantee it. So let's do your long-awaited lifter rating. So... For okay. those who don't know, squat to squat, bench and deadlift, we rate one to ninety nine, and then we come up with an overall, much like Madden, FIFA, two K, any of that stuff. So, your squats, what would you rate it from one to ninety nine? Ninety five. Ninety five. I would be in agreement with you there. Your best is one eighty in comp. Yeah, I mean, going into it, I would say ninety three, but. 93, 95 is like pretty much the same thing. So that's what I had initially. It was just 93, but 95, yeah, I can get on board with that. How about bench? Bench, I would say 90. 90 on the dot? Yes. Yeah. 
I think the consistent thing here is like I'm always either one to two points ahead or one to two points below, which is good because that means we're on the same page. So <laughs> 90, I would agree with you on that one. 90. What were you going to say? Below 89. Or- but that's the same yeah. shit. It's, it's one like the only time where I flat out disagreed with someone was Marcus when his crazy ass rated himself a seventy four on squat. I'm like, what is wrong with you? That is not <laughs> not accurate. That's the only time I'll disagree. When if we're like two points off, no, like that's I wouldn't argue with two points. Okay, how about deadlift? Uh, ninety nine to hundred. <laughs> 99 to 100. Do you have the all-time world record? I, I, uh, unofficial world record? I'm not sure. So um, you... just because we haven't had worlds in a whole year, and I think Leah, Leah, I'm sorry, I keep mispronouncing her name, uh, she, she did an IPF meet recently, I believe. But I don't know if that was unofficial or official for her. I'm actually checking that right now. Um, but... Yeah, I think I, I, I've I've said on the show before with let's see. By the way, open IPF is the greatest thing of all time. Just open powerlifting is great. Open IPF is so much better. <laughs> it's so much better for the show too. Uh let's see, full power by deadlift. You get a ninety-nine on your deadlift because you have the best deadlift in IPF. Unofficial or not, and that's what I count, is whoever has the highest deadlift. You have 226, Leah has a 225, so Leah will be a 98, and you'll be a 99. So, congratulations, you and Perk both have like a, you are the only ones on two white lights that have a 99 rating on something, and 95 plus 90 plus 99, divide that by three, you're walking away with a 94 rating that's pass. That's passing in college. In college, I think it's like an A minus. Uh, that's better than passing in college. <laughs> if you're getting uh, a ninety four no, in any class, you're kicking ass. A, a ninety is a a, uh, a minus. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm good. We're well, passing. you could go to an awesome university like mine, and everything was just an A if it was above a ninety. <laughs> There's no A pluses, but also no, no A minuses, no. so the GPA stayed the same. But oh, no, nice. you're being humble. Ninety four is fantastic. That like you're only six away from being, you know a goat, like a true, true, like icon of the sport. But well, I'll, I'll, I'll love my goal will be to at least to get to 98. That'll be my goal. A 98 is fantastic. But all, I mean, again, like what I tell people, if you're playing in Madden or any of these video games and you have a 94 rating, you're like the best person on the game. There's not a lot of people who have a 94 rating on Madden. So when the USAPL video game comes out, which, they got to work on that. I think less focus on the IPF, more on the potential video game that comes oh. out. And you give yourself a 94 rating, you're, you know, you're like top five in the game, men and female. So, yeah, I would agree. With, that was about, I was actually going to say 95 for you, but 94 would work. Um, yeah, and of course the, the 99 uh, rating there is big. So, all right. Fantastic. You got your lifter rating. Excited to get that on the Two White Lights page. All right, now we are going to do a segment, not word association, but white light, red light. I am going to give you a powerlifting-related topic, and you are either going to white light it, meaning you like it, 
or red light it, meaning you don't like it, very apropos to powerlifting. You guys know the sport. You're listening to two white lights. It should make sense to you. All right, so let's start off with the USAPL. White light or red lighting it? White light. IPF? White light. Squat? <laughs> oh, God, red light. <laughs> it's small. So what is, what don't you like about I'm the squat? I probably could be a world champion right now if it wasn't for IPF and squats. <laughs> Real light. All right. So what so what other do you like about it? Do you like the do you like the movement of squat? Do you like the exercise? Do I like the exercise of squatting? Yeah. Yes. Because I get scared whenever I squat. Like I would I wouldn't red light it. I would still like it because it's still I mean it's better than my fucking bench. But like whenever I squat, I'm like. Something could go south here, and I'm scared to do it. That's my biggest gripe with squat. Like, at a certain weight, probably around 570 pounds, I'm like, oh boy, I'm, I'm getting a little nervous here. But the movement itself, so, when like you're doing it for reps, is pretty fun. Yeah, the movement is so in a meet. Like, the meet doesn't start for me until my third attempt squat. Then I'm like, whew, okay, we're good. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, in the, we're, in the, we're on the board, we're in the game. That is over. Thank God. Now we can have like now we can relax and have a little quote unquote fun. Um, but yeah, squatting in a meet is just I'm just so paranoid. White lights. White lights? Okay. Which is easy. Yep. Huh. Well, easy for you. Well, not like easy. <laughs> Sucks I mean, for like, me. You just like you just lay there and you like no matter what type of day I'm having, or yeah. how motivated I am, or how unmotivated I am, I have to bench. Okay. All right. How about deadlift? Training deadlifts, like deadlifts in training, red lights. Okay. Because, um, well, it's just brutal, man. Uh, but competition deadlifts, white lights. Being okay. the last, li- last deadlifter, white lights. Okay. All right. That, that, I, I, would, I would white light both. Um, occasionally, it can really just be painful. Like, at points, like, when you're doing reps, like, my lower, like, it is kind of torturous at points, but still, I can't, I can't knock the lift that I'm actually good at. So, yeah, I would, I would probably white light gym and meet uh, deadlifts. That's true. Um, deadlift bar. Just, just so I have to say something else. So, I, right, and I, I deadlifted 465, right? And then six months later, I competed in USAPL meet, and also deadlifted four sixty. So did I not get stronger? Who knows? <laughs> and I don't like having like imaginary PRs, so I don't touch it. But yeah, so red lights for you just don't know how much is helping. Okay, all right, I can get on board with that. I mean, I love the deadlift bar because it is a fun thing to use, but I can re- I can respect your uh, your your stance on that. How about um, the USPA? Oh, I like this. I like the USPA. Okay. Yeah, I give them some white lights. They actually run pretty, like, they actually run really good meets. Yeah, they do. I think At that's... Local level. I don't know about anything else, but just around our... I think uh, that's uh, Brittany Saplicky brought up, like the Civil War that doesn't exist. Like, we both, <laughs> like, I think both federations are like, yeah, you know, pretty good stuff there from USPA and USAPL. But then I think there's like a weird internet argument that people are assumed that they don't get along. Uh, monolift. Red light. This is weird. <laughs> and he, so our gym has one, and no one ever uses it. Like, 
Like, they only use it and then walk out their squad. Yeah. Like, what's, what's the purpose? <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm, I think I'm one of the few USAPL lifters who, I don't like the monolift, but I get its purpose. Like, okay, you oh, don't walk sure. out your squat. Fantastic. That's great. But I'm still, like, I will never use a monolift to its advantage, like, ever. Which is weird. It's like, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of it. I'm like, of course, if you can limit your squat walkout, let's do it. But, like, will you ever do it, Angelo? No. I'm walking out everything. I think you need a gym partner. Like, you have to have someone there to you know, use a monolift. So that just adds a little more complexity. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's mostly designed for multiply lifters, which they have to train with like seven other people anyways. So how about multiply? It's like a completely different sport. And I'm not, I'm not going to do it. And it, it, it looks brutal. Uh, but for the people who do it, the people who do equip, kudos to them. I give them white lights. Okay. I'm not gonna be a quick painter. Okay. Like, Teach your own. And but you red lighted it just in itself, right? I give no, I give it white lights. Okay, you broke up. I didn't know what you said initially there. White white lights because in my mind is a different sport. Okay. Alright. How about how about wraps? So the whole like divisions are classic raw quick wraps. Like if you're gonna do it quick, you gotta go all in. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just have Wraps. Like, if you're going to do it, you got to do it because that is the sport. Yeah. Right? To me, that is the sport. If if you just do wraps, now you're just cheating. You're just cheating. <laughs> all right. right. You got to go all in or nothing. Okay. That is that is probably the hottest take that we've. Uh, red lights to wraps. <laughs> That's probably the hottest take we've received on Two White Lights as far as like uh, uh, equipment goes. So. All right, you hold that. Um, you know what? That's gonna do it for white lights, red lights. That was fantastic. We got some good. We got some hot takes there from you, so that was good. All right. Well, we've been talking close to ninety minutes now. This is a fantastic interview. Um, I hope to have you on on again sometime for two white lights, and I hope um, hope to see you at Raw Nationals, and hope to see you kill it at Raw Nationals. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. All right, no problem. We have a show coming Friday. Don't know who the guest is just yet, people. But again, thank you for Samantha Calhoun to come on Two White Lights. Good luck with everything, and peace.